Welcome to Kingdom Come with Andrew Nkoyoyo, called to be God's voice, reaching people worldwide with the message of Jesus Christ. Thank you for joining us here again on Kingdom Come. We are believing that God's kingdom is going to invade you and I, and he's going to invade earth because God has to use somebody in order to do his bidding. And so on this episode, God has a word. Really, it's a word that he spoke to me in 2003. I was finishing prayer, my early prayer, mon uh, my morning prayer, and God began to speak to me, and, and he said, marry me. And I said, yes, I will marry you. You know, like when you propose, uh, you, you know, to the, the, the man proposes to the woman, will you marry me? And she says, yes. And I said, yes. But then I kept hearing the Holy Spirit saying, marry me for five years. But then I began to understand in this process and on this journey that it was in the pursuit really the the ecstasy and the pleasure was in the pursuit because the more I said yes the more he said no you, you don't you're not getting it there is more and so I want to share with you because God wants to marry you Oh, and I'm going to show you. Because I had to ask the Holy Spirit. And I said, you have to show me in the scripture. Because I've never had anything like this before. And he took me. He told me. Open Hosea chapter 2 verse 14. And he says, therefore behold. I'll allure her. And bring her into the wilderness. And speak tenderly to her. Other versions say, I'll captivate her. Other versions say, that he will persuade you. That he's going to pull you. He's going to draw you. But it's the whole idea. He says, I'm going to allure her and bring her into the wilderness. Speaking of Israel, prophetically. And speak tenderly to her. Verse 15. And there I'll give her her vineyards. Vineyard is your heart. And there he says, I'm going to turn this valley of pain into a door of hope. And there she shall answer as in the days of her youth, at the time when she just came out of the land of Egypt. Now, let's stop there for a second. There are some key things here that God wants you to get a hold of. You see, we have talked about the wilderness as a bad thing. But God says, in order where he's going to marry you is in the wilderness. Oh, I'm going to show you. Because he says, I'm going to allure you. It's not you taking yourself, and it's not the devil taking you into the wilderness. I am captivating your heart, and I'm going to take you into the wilderness. I'm going to speak tenderly to you. Stay with me here. And he says, there, you see now, in the wilderness, he's going to speak to you. If you're making notes, in the wilderness, you hear God's voice. He says he's alluring you, taking you back into the wilderness so he can speak tenderly to you. And he's going to give you back in the wilderness. He's going to restore you. Brother David, in this wilderness, God is restoring you. He says in the wilderness, I'm going to restore her vineyard. Okay. So it's a place of restoration. And then he's going to turn the valley of pain into a door of hope. There's going to be healing. In the wilderness. Okay. 
And then and there she shall answer as in the days of a youth. In other words, God, for you to surrender, for you to be the person he's called you to be and to do the things, you have to surrender. In other words, he's going to restore you to your first love. Oh, somebody needs to get this. Because it says she will respond as in the days of old when she just came out of Egypt. When you first got saved, you were on fire. You were telling everybody about Jesus. Now you are so experienced, you nobody knows you're a Christian. But he says, that's why he says, oh, I'm going to show you. Because God wants the church back to go into the first love when we were passionate. But he says, you cannot do it in the Riviera. You have to go on the backside of the wilderness. And I'm going to speak to you. I'm going to restore you. I'm going to heal you. And I'm going to captivate your heart. And we are going to be one. There is the intimacy that is coming. You see? That is the wilderness experience. We have talked about the wilderness. I'm going through the wilderness. And we think it's a bad thing. It is not a bad thing. I went into the wilderness and I found God. Okay. He says, I want to marry you. But I have to captivate your heart. I have to, you, have, you have to say yes. And then I'm going to lure you and I'm going to take you. How many of you are going through some wilderness right now? And you even wonder if God is, not, is there or not. Well, you have to decide or determine whether it's a demonic wilderness, a satanic wilderness that the devil has put you in, or it is a spirit-led wilderness. Because I'm going to show you that Jesus, in order to be filled with the anointing of the Spirit, he had to go to the wilderness. You remember in Luke, in Matthew, in the Gospels? After he was baptized by John, he came out of the water and where did he go straight? Into the wilderness. Because in the wilderness, if there's nothing to distract you, you and God. Because God, before he can release you into your full potential, he wants all of you. And he doesn't want anything around you to distract you. He takes you into the wilderness. He says, marry me. For five years. I'm not getting it. And he said, you will get it. But you see, I'm telling you the pleasure and the exercise in the pursuit, in the chase. Because now I'm on this journey to marry him. And the more I know him, the more he tells me you don't know me. And the more I get a hold of him, the more I know I don't have enough of him. I need more of him. But you see, it's not me doing it. It's me, him captivating me. It's him alluring me and taking me. You see, God is so in love with you that he doesn't want you to be where you are right now. That's not it. That's just a stopover. You know when you travel, you're going to London, but you make a stopover in Chicago or Los Angeles. That's it. But the stopover is not your destination. And many of us and the church has camped in a place of our stopover. In the stopover, there's just a little bit of resource for you to just be there. So we have to keep tuned to the sound and to the voice of heaven to hear what is God saying. Are you with me, church? He says, and you're going to respond. You're going to have a yes in your heart. Your God is going to take a hold of your heart and he's going to open it up and he's going to transfigure you from the inside out so that even the yes that you say is not you making yourself or trying to work yourself into yielding it is him working the yielding 
Because here he says, in the wilderness, because of the work that is going to happen in you, he's going to give you that yes. And you're going to respond like the day. In other words, you'll laugh. He's going to shake you out of this religiosity. Out of the slumber and all of the sleepiness and all the things we call Christianity. He's going to shake you into the authentic Christianity. Beloved, it was in the wilderness where Paul spent 10 years in Asia. And when he came back, he had a revelation of Jesus Christ that nobody else has ever had before. Why? The wilderness. I want you to be excited about the wilderness. I want you to ask God for the wilderness experience. You say, I know I have preached about the wilderness before and I had to repent because it wasn't the truth. The wilderness that God leads you is the greatest thing that could happen to you. Next to your salvation. Because there you encounter God. But you see, this message is not for the wishy-washy. It's not for those who just want to go to church and give their tithes and go home and come back next Sunday. No, this message is for those that want to be the bride that is burning. So you have to decide, do you want to be a bride that is burning or you want to be the one that just go through the motions? You see, I thank God for that day because it took me on a journey for five years. And for five years I'm pursuing and I'm seeking. And he said, no, this is an idol. This is not me. This is good, but it is the old wineskin. And I, I had to do some of the most drastic things. But you see, God is calling you and I to this experience. Verse 16, and in that day, declares the Lord, you will call me my husband. You have that in your Bible? It says it's in the wilderness that the Lord, you're going to call him your husband. Why? Because now <laughs> you have not only, you're not just engaged, you are into a marriage. You see, the Bible says that, you know, when two people are getting married, the, the, the man shall leave his mother and father and cleave to his wife, right? And the two become one. Well, here Jesus says, I've given up everything. I've come towards you. But I need you to have the right response. But I'm going to work it in you. So that you will call me the husband that I am. Not only call me the husband, but begin to live the yielded life, the surrendered life, like a wife will yield to a husband. You'll call me husband, and no longer will call you, call me my servant or my master or bell. For I will remove the names of the bells or the idol gods from her mouth. See, there's another cleansing going on. See, because God has to use your mouth and he has to clean it. Because if God is going to heal the land, that's why death and life is in the tongue, right? So if God is going to heal the land, he has to have people that actually have his word in their mouth. That's why before... The first five chapters of the book of Isaiah, Isaiah is prophesying, but he hasn't really started his prophetic ministry until the fire of God, what does it touch? Touches his tongue. Because he had to take all the idol gods, all the idol talk, all the idol confession, all the idol whatever. His, this mouth, this tongue has to be purified. Because he says, you no longer measure, because now you're going to be an instrument of my life, of my power. And your tongue and your mouth and your lips, they have to be cleansed, sanctified, and set apart. Whether that happening, it's happening in the wilderness, beloved. Oh, this is exciting. 
This is exciting because when you are in the wilderness, it's a deeper place. But you see, it's not you trying to impress God with your spiritualness. It's him. As a matter of fact, it's even him taking you there. And he said he's going to purge you from all these idol names or gods out of your lips, out of your confession, out of your mouth, verse 18. And I'll make for them a covenant on that day with the beasts of the field, the birds of the air, the creeping things of the ground. And I will abolish the bow, the sword, and the wall from the land. You see, God is going to deliver you. You see, all those, most of those, if we talk spiritually speaking, they talk of demonic spirits. He says, I'm going to protect you from the attacks of the enemy, the beasts of the air, and the things that will come against you, the demonic works of Satan. I am going to be your protection. And I'm going to abolish all the things that have been having access. You see, when we have iniquity and sin in our lives, there is access, right? But in the wilderness, he's purges. And he says, because of the, this intimacy, I call it the divine exchange that is taking place, he says, I am going to abolish it from this day. Okay, in the, the next part. And he says, and I'll make you lie down in safety. He's going to protect you. Where is he doing all that? In the wilderness. I want you to ask yourself, what wilderness are you in? Maybe you're like me. I didn't even know I needed a wilderness experience until the Holy Spirit that morning met me and he said, I want you to marry me. Because I want you to call me my husband. I don't want you to have anything else beside me. This relationship is going from master to husband to an intimate relationship of lovers. That you are going to respond not out of duty, but out of love. Because now I am your issue, I am your husband. And you're yielding to me, not because of the things you can get out of me, but because you are in love with me. Oh, beloved, God is calling the church to our first love. He's calling us to return. That's why he says, return to me and I'll return to you. He says so many times to Israel, if you return, I'll return. Jeremiah chapter 4, he says the same thing. You return to me, I return. Jeremiah 14, he says the same thing. Return to me, says the Lord, and I'll return back to you. He's calling them to their first love. Because when you're burning with love, you cannot allow all the other things. Because the love of God is going to be your shield towards backsliding. It's going to be the shield towards unbelief and doubt. The love of God. That's why faith works by love. You see, the more we are burning with the love of God, the more we are out in the streets, in the highways and the byways doing the work of Christ. The more we are growing cold, the more we are like the Laodicean church that was rich and had it all. And yet God said, you are empty and you are poor. Why? The Ephesus church, they were hardworking, but they had lost their, their first love. And, and God said, I have something against you. You are wonderful. You don't even tolerate these, these others that preach the, the, the preaching of demons. But I have one thing against you. You are forsaken. You're fallen from your first love. Repent. You know what he's saying? Marry me. Oh, you get it. I want you to go back and really dissect this. Change my life. I had to repent. I, had to, I, was, I even 
made a joke with my wife and said, man, I wasn't even saved. Because I'm finding us in this journey of this marriage, God is saying, are you going to let go of this? You're going to let it go of this? You go, and I wonder, how did, it, did I miss it? It's just little bit things. But you see, if you're going to walk in the power of God, God wants you to be separated and consecrated and set apart for him. And I'm not ashamed to share my story because it's the grace of God. But I believe that's why God is calling us a voice because he's calling us to call the church. He says I, he wants an intimate relationship. He wants us to turn back to our first love because if we are going to see revival, if we are going to see a great awakening, we must be a church that is burning. You see, the world is not going to be reached by good intentions and good programs. It's going to be reached by men and women because that's what Paul said, the love of God constrains me. It wasn't even the, the mission or the objective. He says the love of God. Why do I do what I do? He says, even when I don't feel like the love of God burns in my bones, that it constrains me to go forward. Because the same God who has reached out to me loves me. He loves those sinners and he loves the, the lost that it compels me. Are you seeing beloved church? Oh friend, when we left and we went and we want to go to a close country, I won't mention, and then we were in Romania. And then God had to get me out of there to get me. That was my backside wilderness experience. Because I got in Romania and I'm like, wow. I don't even fit anywhere. Oh, Lord, what are we doing here? And then he began to unravel me and show me the beauty. And my heart broke for the European church. And it broke for that continent. And all of a sudden I told my wife, we are going to stay. Because there is a work for us to do here. God wants to awake the sleeping church. He wants to equip. He wants to release. He wants to do a work in Europe. And so we stayed as long as God wanted us to stay. Almost four years. Until he told, told us to come back. You see, beloved. He had to get me out of the comfort zone. To take me into the backside experience. Where I was mourning and groaning. Wondering why am I here. Reminiscing about the wonderful things I've done in other places. And God, he said, Andrew. As, as a matter of fact, one day he said, Andrew. Just stop it all. Stop. And it was the hardest thing to tell some of the people we're working with, actually, we're not going to do all that. We're just going to wait upon God for a little while here. And the moment we pushed delete, he began. Because it's not what we want. It's not what we have experienced. It's, what we, it's not about what we can do well. It's what, what he's doing right now. Oh, you need to put this in your spirit. It's not about what you know. You see, we get stuck with this is how I've done, this is what I've done. Baloney, I'm telling you, God wants a messenger. You see, a messenger carries a message. That's really what it means to be an apostle. A messenger. You're a messenger carrying a message. Amen. And God gave us a message for Europe. And for that time, I could not do this and do this and do this and be the messenger for that season. Hence the marriage because there he's stripping all the things and he said just do this. If you just put it aside and yield, I, I will use you because the message is there. But you have got so many things. You see in the wilderness, there can't be any distractions. That's why he takes you in the backside of the wilderness. That's why he took Moses. Remember? Where does Moses encounter God? 
in the burning bush, right? But where was the burning bush? In the wilderness. It is there that actually Moses encounters God, not in the palace. God has to cause everything to come against him in order so that Moses can marry him. After that, Moses is sold out. I, I mean, he is sold out beyond selling out. He all lives for God. And it would take a wilderness experience for Moses to go back to Pharaoh. Are, are you listening, church? But all that happened in the wilderness, the preparation and the commissioning was in the wilderness. Jesus Christ after he was filled with the Holy Spirit, he went in the wilderness. Okay? Go read Luke chapter 4. Actually, just read all those verses from chapter 1 at how after he's being baptized and chapter 4, he comes back. Where does he come back from? The wilderness. And then he goes straight to the temple. From the wilderness, he goes straight to the temple and he opens the book where it's written about him, the spirit of the Lord, now he's saying, I have done, I've been prepared, I've been commissioned, now I'm in town, and I'm here to change the world. Amen? But where does his preparation and commission happen? I'm not, come on, talk to me. It's in the wilderness. Not at the beach, not at the Riviera. You see, many believers, we are afraid of the wilderness, beloved. The wilderness is a good place. The God inspired, the God orchestrated, the God moved, carried. Wilderness is the wilderness that God will use to shape you, hone you and prune you and sharpen you. So I don't know what your wilderness is. We all have a wilderness at some point. I mean, I could go on. Moses had his wilderness. Joseph had his wilderness. Remember? He got sold. But where does he meet? It is there that actually he steps into it. In the darkest time of his life. You know, in the pit, in the dungeon. That's where actually he's being prepared for his destiny. On the outside, you look at it as it's a miserable place. It's hopeless. But God, he says, I know what I'm doing. And I'm bringing him into a place of marriage. Because he's going to know me. After he's done there, he's going to be my man. It's in the wilderness. It's in the wilderness that men of God are made. Apostles and prophets, they're not made at the top of the mountain. They're made in the valley. In the shadow of death. David tells us. But there, God says that he will prepare a table before our enemies. Because it's God doing the work. Are, are, are you getting this? Oh, I love this. He says, I'll make you lie in safety. Verse 19. He says, I'll betroth you to me forever. Other versions say that I'll accept you as my wife forever. You see, you are his bride. He says, in the wilderness. <laughs> it's like, that's where the preparation of this wedding is happening. And he says, now, I'm bringing you, and I'm going to betroth you. I'm going to accept you for my, for my own, for my bride forever. Okay? Oh, I love this. And I'll betroth you to, my, to, to me. Now, listen to this. In righteousness, in justice, in steadfast love, and in mercy. I'll betroth you to me 
in faithfulness and you shall know the Lord. Now, this is the key. All that God is doing at the last, the, the, the end of verse 20, he says, I'm going to betroth you to myself in righteousness, in love, in mercy, in justice. Okay? And these are the foundations of the throne of God. We don't have time to talk about it. But I want you to pay attention. What is mentioned there, that he is marrying you into his presence. He's marrying you into his government. Oh, you need to get this. He's marrying you into his kingdom. He says, I'm going to take you into my kingdom for myself in righteousness, judgment, love, and mercy. Which are the foundations of his throne. Amen. And then the next verse, and he says, and you shall know the Lord. You shall know Yahweh. The covenant maker and the covenant keeper. He says, I'm doing all this so that you may know me. So that when they throw you in the backside of the desert, you know that Yahweh is Yahweh. Oh, somebody needs to say amen there. You see, when you know God, you, you know when you watch that movie, The Ten Commandments? I like it. It's my favorite. You know, and my son and I, we've been watching it over and over. But I like the part when, you know, the Red Sea opens and the children of Israel go over, you know, and the, the chariots are trying to follow, follow them. But then the water comes back, you know, and then Ramses stands there. Him and, on, and his guy on the chariot. And he says, the God of Moses is what? Is God. <sighs> I, every time it's like I feel the, the anointing of God. Because God wants the sinners, the world to know that he is God. He says, I'm going to take you to the wilderness and I'm going to heal you. I'm going to restore you. I'm going to bring you into a deeper place of love and intimacy and marriage with me. This divine exchange so that you may know me. Oh, because the Bible tells us in Daniel that those who know their God, they shall be strong and do mighty exploits. Those who know Yahweh. Oh, you need to get it. Because when you know God, there is nothing else that can shake you. you know, they can put you in the dungeon like, Mo, like Joseph. You know God. You can be like Moses. After the encounter with the burning bush, he came back. And his face was shining. And he was heading straight into the palace. You see, beloved, how are we going to win souls and win America and win the world back to Christ? It's when we have encountered the desert and we have been there and God has touched us. God has anointed us. God has shaken us and he has pruned us and he has put us back together into the person that he wants us to be. And he has commissioned us in the anointing oh, of his spirit. And we know God. And when we go to the world, we don't go with words of man's wisdom, persuading them to believe. We have evidence. We have power because we know God. Are you listening to me, church? It is those that know their God. Bible says they will be strong and do great exploits for Jesus. Dear friend watching me, God wants you to marry him. To watch on our website, receive prayer, to give, or to request a copy of Andrew's book, Working the Works of God, please visit us online at www.kingdomimpactministry.org or write to Kingdom Impact Ministry, P.O. Box 2073, Montrose, Colorado, 81402.
This broadcast is a presentation of Kingdom Impact Ministry and is made possible by the grace of God, faithful prayers, and gifts from partners and viewers like you.